Yo, I'm coming from that 3-6, so that's why I got them brains spinning. Ain't nobody using blinkers, we ain't good at lane switching. Better get a plane ticket, I ain't flying all you chickens, though. Always shoot my shot, better swishing off the pick and roll. Dishing off the give and go, all my squad is driven, so you can catch us on the road. Promise we ain't doing shows, so that means it- Rip City, are you listening? I'm Christian Gamalin, I'm talking with co-host Austin Caphammer, and this is the Peeps and Plaid Podcast. The Blazers are 14-16, and 16, good for 8th place in the West after a 4-game win streak against the Suns, Warriors, Magic, and T-Wolves. Carmelo Anthony has a minor knee contusion and missed the game against the Timberwolves, but it's not expected to miss much time. And Hassan Whiteside has been on a tear, getting 16-23 and 23 with 2 blocks against the Warriors, then a poor scoring game, 10 points, with 17 rebounds and 5 blocks against the Magic, then another big game against the T-Wolves without Carl Anthony Towns, with 16, 22, and 7 blocks. Hassan now leads the league in blocks with 2.7 per game and is averaging 3.5 for the month of December. So at the start of the season, he said he wanted to lead the league in blocks and rebounds. He's leading uh, one of those two uh, in blocks, and he's lead- he's fifth in the league at the other with nearly 100 rebounds behind Andre Drummond. So we'll see if he can catch up there. But despite the Blazers' good fortune lately... They still have only won one game against a team with a winning record, and that was the Dallas Mavericks at the start of the season when they still had Zach Collins. So that's concerning for sure. They're going to have a tough month going forward, starting it off facing the Jazz and the Lakers. But what are you thinking of this Blazers team? Uh, Hassan Whiteside is playing amazing basketball, so do we still want to trade him? And just how do you feel about the the games this last week, Austin? Yeah, I don't know. Um, that's That was something that I was kind of thinking about earlier this morning as well as, like, is Hassan, is Hassan really, are we, should we be that quick to get him, you know, off the team? And um, I don't know. I think I think a lot of people would say, of course, you know, Yusef, he's our guy. We, he's better, he's a better system fit. But like we, like I had mentioned uh, uh, an episode or two ago, there's some guys that are just so good at a handful of things in the league that it doesn't really matter what system they're in; they just transcend it and manage to play their brand of basketball. Yeah. Um, the que- the question is 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 Hassan's brand the best uh, fit for for the other pieces that we have? I think that uh, how Kent Bazemore played last night was how I was hoping for him to play most of the year not maybe not necessarily 19 you know even if you only ended up with like 14 uh you know but he 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 did his thing on defense i think he had two blocks and two steals at least um at least when i saw a stat line pop up during the game but um you know and and then pretty much from the the exact point of the first possession of the game if you watch it he barrels in there and it's kind of uh, all the bad that we don't like to see out of him on offense and yeah. i tweet i tweeted on our account oh you know he's like a he's like a, a bull in a china shop but yeah um every ever since that point he just like started making like mid-range jumpers um he wasn't quite as out of control or risky with some of these uh attacks attacks in the paint and um you know he's already had a cup a couple of these type of games with within the scope of his three-point offense but here in recent games, he's really just rounded himself out as being a consistent spot-up three-point shooter from what I've seen. Um, <laughs> that audio is so rude. Okay. Uh, I missed that last part. But Kent Bazemore played really well last night, um, more so in the first half. He, he kind of struggled a bit 
uh, in the third, missing some shots. But he ended up playing great on the night, 19 points, 7 for 12 shooting, 2 blocks, 3 steals. So, again, just a really good defensive presence. It's really encouraging when you see, you know, Damon CJ are obviously doing Damon CJ things. You see Nasir Little and Anthony Simons doing good things at times. Anthony's been a little disappoint, uh, disappointing lately. But to see starting center and now the starting power uh, small forward just doing really big things defensively with blocks and steals, it's really encouraging to see that and makes you think that the Blazers can continue to have some success going forward as they hopefully get Zach Collins and Nurkic back in the next couple months. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I've just been encouraged by the last few games because the Blazers have actually been leading throughout that Suns game. We'll talk more about that in just a minute, but uh, the other games, they pretty much had to lead the whole game. Last night was a little more back and forth with that lead uh, where, where it was tight throughout the whole game, basically, but the Blazers were able to win it. It's a little more concerning when you consider they didn't have Carl Anthony Towns, but I mean, the Bla injuries aren't an excuse for anyone. But I would hope that the Blazers could hopefully lead, get get some more blowouts on teams that don't have their star players, is basically what I'm saying. So uh, there were some former Blazers that were playing in different roles or weren't playing recently uh, against the Magic. Aminu wasn't playing. He's injured against the Timberwolves. Uh, Jake Lehman wasn't playing. But Shabazz Napier, former Blazer, was starting over Jeff T, which is crazy to me. Uh, so they, it's the second game in a row they've done that. And then uh, Noah Vonley played some minutes last night. Um, one thing that was really annoying about the Blazers-Timberwolves game was Anthony Tolliver had two offensive fouls on three-pointers he shot. Just crazy. I've never seen like someone have two offensive fouls on three-pointers, of all things. Like It was super strange. Um, but... Yeah, I'm just going to jump back to that Suns game. Uh, that Suns game, the Blazers won by just one point, and that game was back and forth throughout. Blazers were not looking too good. Uh, the big three, Dame, CJ, and Carmelo combined for 80 points, so that's really the only reason why the Blazers were in it is because their stars were playing well. Hassan which, by the way... Yeah, which, by the way, uh, I, I had tweeted something to the effect of, uh, you know, we're only getting these cornball... Lines because you know Melo's there, and I had a couple people say oh, I would agree. Correcting myself there, uh, yeah, is it's also funny to point out the type of headlines though that come with some of these national headlines. It's not, it's they're not like dry cover the pages are good. They have a good backcourt, but, but no, it's like it's like funny little tweets like that, like. The big, the big three. No, I don't think this is a Miami situation up here in Portland. Yeah. But it is nice to see. Uh, that was very nice to see Melo play like that in Phoenix. And they had, they had noted before the game had started there that um, I think career wise he had like thirty some odd games in Phoenix, and he was averaging you know nearly like twenty eight points or something a game in Phoenix. So like yeah. just as as a destination, he was kind of primed to have an okay night or better, and he definitely had better. Yeah. It was great. Um, unfortunately, he missed the Timberwolves game, but luckily the rest of the team was able to do well. Uh, that Suns game, it ended with the Blazers kind of getting lucky because on the last Blazers possession of the game, Blazers were down one. Uh, Kelly Oubre had made a three-pointer 
and the and one he got the free throw it might have been a two-pointer uh but then the so the blazers were down by two and dame drives to the basket and gets the and one on aaron baines and that he could have been a charge in in my opinion it, i mean it kind of looks like aaron baines is still sliding a little bit and he's right next to the restricted area uh but to yeah. me like watching it the eye test tells me that's a charge like the look of it it's like dang like dame just really it was went pretty for that. close but i would i would actually agree with you there as well yeah so i think they got lucky there and then after that uh the suns had a chance to win the game after and ricky rubio uh was behind the three-point line hassan whiteside goes to block the shot and he just dribbles to the left and takes the shot and misses it so blazers got lucky at a, at a couple points at the end to win it um but then the next three games, Blazers played well throughout for the most part and um, not always pretty. The Warriors game wasn't the prettiest game to win. Orlando uh, game was a blowout. Yeah. Yep. So it's really good to see the Blazers actually taking care of biz- taking care of business when they need to. Like these are the games you should win, especially if you want a chance to make the playoffs um, at the end of the season. Right. So, yeah, any other uh, notes from these last few games from you? Um, I thought I thought it was interesting that um, Shabazz and um, Jeff Teague both had 18 points last night. Jeff Teague on 27 minutes and Shabazz on like 30-something. But uh, Jeff Teague ended up actually having eight assists and six rebounds, mm-hmm. um, whereas Shabazz had four assists and four rebounds. Um, so I'm, I'm curious to see... Um, I mean, I'm sure there's, I'm sure there's some simple reason I could just find on their Sports Illustrated blog, but like, I'm, I'm really curious why Shabazz was getting the start. And I mean, he played well. If you watch yeah. the film, I, I just watched the film again, and um, Shabazz played really well. Um, it was nice to see Noah Vonley again. Uh, too bad the Jake's out. Um, but yeah, it's kind of like the ex Blazer squad that was interesting. But those yeah. are that was a. I think that's a good transition, right? Because there's been a couple strings of games in our season where you kind of play the dud teams and don't get me wrong Portland is just coming off being a dud team earlier this year but um, you play the dud teams like you said we should win and then we'd have like the Clippers or the Lakers thrown at us and then it would just kind of knock us off kilter and you know problems got magnified this is kind of a nice little ramping up right so we play these dead teams. Now Minnesota, you know, not quite. I mean, even though they're on a downward slope. Ten straight know, losses now, yeah. Well, yeah, I guess some that's a little bit more than the downward slope. But so, like, the Blazers next, they have the Pelicans. That's a good mm-hmm. – that's another good kind of mid-level yeah. ramp-up team. And then and then you get this – is, this is almost – this is almost – perfect if you think yeah. about it in this in this line of things because it's a very gradual um kind of upward stick to measure ourselves against um because it'll be pelicans and then the jazz on thursday uh the 26th so we don't play we don't have a christmas day game that's kind nope. of lame um i remember that earlier this season but i just kind of got reminded and got sad um I usually don't even watch on Christmas. Like I'll I'll catch highlights or like here and there. Oh, I like, absolutely oh, yeah. do. Yeah, I absolutely do. Because a we, few we years back, I was big on it. I I missed the the good commercials when they had the jingle bells and they had the right. uh, dribbling for Carol of the Bells. Like, right. I mean, we do most of our gift opening on. Oh, excuse me, on um, Christmas Christmas evening. But yeah, but back to my my ramble. So we had just to start things off. Warriors, you know, definitely struggling. Beat them by 10. Then Magic, okay. 
I'd say have a couple more pieces than established pieces than the Warriors do currently. Okay, then T Wolves. Okay, we just got that. Then to be Pelicans, who and I would argue are probably doing a little bit better than the T Wolves currently. Um, and then we got the Jazz on Thursday, which I think the Jazz are like a five or six seed or something. I'll look that up in a second. But then the punchline to this long-winded joke is we got the Lakers on Saturday the 28th. So we have a unique opportunity to kind of gradually keep this ball rolling and understand what it takes at at different levels. Because let's be honest, these teams are at different levels. They're at different levels. They're all in different places. So back to the standings discussion, the Jazz are a sixth seed. Yep. So currently it's it's Blazers at the eight seed, Thunder at the seven, Jazz at the six, Maz at the five, Rockets at the four, and then Nuggets, Clippers, Lakers. Yeah. So Yeah, I mean sense. I mean, what do you think about that? Is that just baloney? I mean, is that just does it does it even matter if we have to play a great team on one night and then a crappy team the next or what? I think it totally does. I, I mean I think it's gone fairly well for the Blazers, considering they probably weren't going to beat those good teams anyway. So it's good that they had uh, some lesser teams in between where they can get some wins and keep their record up. But going forward, I mean, January is going to be a pretty tough month. And I think it's going to obviously, like we could say this about any stretch of games, but it's going to be a key stretch of games to see where they're really at because the intensity level is going to be up throughout for the most part. So, uh, yeah, totally. If you're, I mean, the Blazers play to the level of their opponents, similar to the Seahawks, if you've been following football. And uh, so, what are you doing? Did you just get I that? Just, uh, no, I just kind of have to prove to people that it, because I hardly ever wear my Blazer stuff. And when okay. I do, I have to, because you're out here with the flag and, you know. Yep, yep, gotcha. Yeah, <laughs> so you're just flagging whenever you can. Yeah, exactly. My uh, microphone. Yeah, so, what the uh, heck, man? Man, crazy. So, the point is, Yes, I think it will be good for the Blazers to have some consistent, uh, tough opponents in order to really see where they're at and get into a groove where they're like, okay, we're going to have to beat these guys. We're going to have to get wins against teams that are over 500. So looking forward to that. Now, as far as how the Blazers have been playing, I think the Blazers have definitely improved. They've had uh, better play calling, uh, better execution at those plays. Hassan Whiteside has been a monster, of course. He's been making a lot of shots where I'm like cringing when he's taking them, but he, he makes them. I mean, he's a really good offensive player. Yeah. Uh, I still think there's too many empty possessions for the Blazers. There's too many early in the shot clock contested mm-hmm. mid-range jumpers. I was just talking to my buddy who's who's waiting for me in the living room right now. We're going to be watching some NFL football, but I was just talking to him uh, uh, the other day when I think we were watching... Oh, goodness. I mean, they were playing like the Knicks or somebody bad. or I think it was – no, it was the Warriors. It was the Warriors yeah. game the other night. And, um, you know, I said it's so frustrating when there are players that like – like because we were talking about how it's crazy Giannis has like a three-point shot now. But there are some players where like even before he had his three-point shot, he was such a dominant in the paint, like driving in the paint. It didn't matter. Yeah. But what and and we we had extended that conversation to Ben Simmons kind of finishing at the at the rack, you know, as even as bad as he is as a shooter, it's just it doesn't matter. Bringing that all home, if you look at how Dame plays, and to your point of early in the shot clock shots, mm-hmm. Dame is is a he he is an excellent, but 
I mean, it's it's. I, I want to give him credit where credit is due, but his shoot, his three point shooting is is it's elite. It's elite, but his finishing at the rack. This is I think what a lot of Portland fans and a lot of NBA fans in general don't really say enough about his mm-hmm. finishing. Damian Lillard's finishing, I think, is better than his shooting. It's oh, hands yeah, down better. Dude. Than it's it's, it's he gets actually some wild layups. He just yes. makes it happen. Yeah, I mean, did you, did you look at the Minnesota uh, highlights from last night? He oh, would, yeah. he would, he he got looking like he was breaking like a glow stick, like eight or nine feet out away from the hoop, yeah. and just kind of throws this like hand down by his side lob up, and it just goes glass. Boom. Yeah. There's and one. Like he is he his Giannis or Ben Simmons. Like transcendent ability, which is crazy for a six foot two, six foot three point guard, is um, he can get that shot if not a foul almost any time. Yeah, and, and, and he's he's gotten so quick with switching the dribble to his left hand, like just right off the screen, switching to his left hand and driving on the left side. He's gotten so quick with that. Yeah, uh, it's been really impressive to see. I, I watch a lot of a lot of other point guards like Jeff Teague, and I'm like, oh, he just doesn't have that that quick crossover that Dame has. Yeah, yeah exactly. And so Dame, I mean, at one point, I think it, he ended up getting a little bit better, uh, had a couple more shots fall. But at one point, I know he was like three for ten from three, which is, I mean, it's still thirty percent, but it's also ten shots. And he's yeah. the guy who's carrying the ball up the court. So mm-hmm. if 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 four of those were early in the shot clock, him just carrying the ball up the court, then you know that's. I'm not saying that there's always going to be a better look, but we got to at least get into some half-court offense, especially yeah. if that whole fast-break BS that we heard about all preseason is mm-hmm. not even coming to fruition. You know yeah. what I mean, right? Yeah. So it's like if you're not on the fast-break and you're not running half-court offense and you have a point guard who is an elite finisher at the rack, then something's got to change a little bit. And I'll tell you what, I never thought I'd say this at the beginning, from the beginning of the season. CJ McCollum doesn't have to change a damn thing. Mm. He is, he is, he is a large reason for the Blazers' success in this yeah. last week, week and a half. Yeah, he's he's been playing so well. He's yeah, yeah he's been hitting a lot of shots. So that's the thing is like a, a couple of years ago, I was always like, oh, Dame, just shoot it. I just wanted to see if like Dame's going to be hitting Curry range that game or whatever. I wanted to see him space it's the exciting. floor. Yeah. And, and so I, I'd be wanting him to do that, but I'd be wanting him to do that when the Blazers were up like 10 to 15 and you can, you know, space the right. floor more so that even more offensive, uh, more offensive firepower is going to come from it. Or when they're down like 10 to 15 and I want to see him like get some kind of spark. Close games, not so much. I want them to be calculated right. with their possessions. Right. But the Blazers this season, it's like they've they've learned that, hey, we do this and we're good at it. CJ's like, hey, sometimes I can turn people around in the mid-range and then hit a shot right in their face. So it's like, I but love even to see it. CJ's figured it out. Even CJ's figured it out, the, the getting to the rack thing. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Like, oh, he yeah. is, even though he's still got tunnel vision in, in regards to his playmaking, mm-hmm. he's completely changed his game this season. Yeah. He's much more downhill. It, it's true. It's true. I, I still think the Blazers are just settling way too easily. I feel like yeah. if you cut out like five to ten empty possessions, which for the most part, it looks like it's Carmelo and CJ that are doing it. That, that's just me talking. Uh, it, it looks like they, you know, get the ball with, you know, only like five seconds off the shot clock and their three-point line are just in front of Oof. it and then they're settling for a contested jumper. It's like you can get better plays than this. I mean, you're going to yeah. make them and it's going to be impressive. But when you miss them, it's it's just going to feel completely empty, and it's going to shift gonna be momentum a couple immediately. Shot, 
Yeah, there might be a couple shot clock violations because you guys get into some awkward predicament with your off-ball movement and whatnot. But, like, you you got 24 seconds. Use them. Yeah, yeah and, and you can take that same con- contested jumper at, you know, one or two seconds left, and you've at least given it the chance to get a better shot, you know? Right. Uh, especially if you're taking a two. If you're taking a three, sure, it's worth one more point. So if you make it, you make it. But if, if you're taking a mid-range jumper with just a couple seconds off the shot clock... Uh, I'm probably not going to be happy about it if you miss. Uh, so I just feel like if they tighten that up and they're more deliberate with their offense, um, it's just going to benefit them so much. I, another thing I've noticed is the Blazers are playing a lot of ISO, obviously. Um, but they're, they're kind of giving up on offensive rebounds too often for me. Last night, I saw one thing that bugged me. Uh, I'm sure Stotts was like, hey, let's get back on defense or something. But Dame missed three free throws last night. He missed two for two. Um on, on one of his trips to the line. And Hassan just backs up after Dame shoots it. He just backs up and goes goes back on defense. Doesn't even go for yeah, the offense. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, that that's fine. It's not the worst thing in the world. Uh, I would have preferred he'd gone for the rebound because he probably would have gotten it considering how he was rebounding. Uh, but also, with the ISO play, there's so many times where, uh, like, Dame is on uh, in the corner and Hassan backs up to the other side of the hoop. And so yeah. that's, that's great if Dame's going to drive or at least make that an option. But Dame just goes, uh, goes up, takes a step back, and shoots. And guess what? That's a contested three-point shot. That, yeah. and, and it's not even like, like Dame. We know Dame shoots really well from the top of the three-point line. Yeah. Uh, not as well from the corners or the right. Lanes. So uh, seeing Dame do that, it's like it's a low percentage shot. It's contested. Yeah. It's off balance. Obviously, if anyone's taking it, I'm fine with Dame taking it. But um, I'd at least want Hassan to be on that side of the basket to make it so there's a chance you get an offensive rebound if you miss it. Right. So that, that's the problem with, with the ISO ball for me is is it's just um, it's putting all your eggs in one basket. It's saying yeah. Dame's either going to make it or he's going to miss. CJ's going to make it or he's going to miss. You know, Carmelo's going to make it or he's going to miss. You know what? I would love to see a statistic, if anyone's got it out there, of the percent, not the percentage of those ISO plays, but what percent of those plays are jump shots. Furthermore, yeah. what percent of those plays are contested jump shots? Yeah, you know, it's one thing. If it's one thing, and I've seen, I do see G- CJ more guilty of this, but it is also the minority in the situation as opposed to Dame being guilty of missing on jump shots. CJ does end up going to the rack and and kind of gets tunnel vision and doesn't look to pass at times, and he'll just take a contested layup. But you know what? I would take that any day of the week, aside from a um, contested jumper. Yeah, and like you said, Dane doesn't take corner threes. Yeah, um, you know he can on the spot up open corner three, but for the most mm. part, he doesn't. Yeah. So for me, I, I just I just want the Blazers to take a little more of an analytics approach and just look at it. I I would like to dive into the numbers and really see how it comes up. But like on those ISO plays, if you're not giving yourself a chance for the rebound, the potential for points is much less than if you're giving yourself a chance for rebounds or running a set play where the ball's moving. Um, I feel like that's got to be the case. Uh, so, I mean, that that Timberwolves game, toward the end of the game, it was a little... Blazers got a little lucky again. I think they definitely would have won it regardless. But Robert Covington had a key steal, drives down the floor, and loses it right before he goes yeah. to the layup. 
Looks yeah. like he just did it on purpose. He oh, got man. traded to the Blazers and decided that he doesn't want to help the Timberwolves win. Uh, that would have shifted momentum quite a bit. I mean, I, I think it was still a six or eight point game at the time. So it was um, a close game. Yeah, it was, it was pretty a close. close. Game. And there was still like a minute something left. So it, it could have it could have swung. And then Andrew Wiggins took a deep three after that, and he made that. Uh, I was wondering why they were sagging off him. I'm like, I I mean, if they make a three or two, it, it, I mean, three, and also hindsight's twenty twenty. But um, it's just uh, watch, nine days away. Oh, the the trade deadline you're saying? Or no, twenty twenty. Oh, I'm stupid. We're gonna have uh, really good hindsight for the next year. Ah, uh, that was rich. That was rich. You'll be hearing a lot of that. <laughs> Man, I don't even know where I was now. <laughs> that was terrible. Um. Oh goodness. Oh yeah. Um. We're just going to take a brief breather after that. Relax. Um, Andrew Wiggins. I think that hindsight 2020, there was a lot of proposals, I think, on like our uh, Sports Illustrated um, Blazer, uh, Blazer's Edge. I'm like taken back by that joke, Christian. Um, gotcha. Andrew Wiggins had 33 points, and there were some proposals that he – you know, might might or could end up in Portland. And um, I don't know. That, that, that kind of intrigues me now. I'll take him. Yeah, I, yeah, I think he, he's... He started the year super hot. Um, I haven't figured... I haven't been watching all that much to see how he's been doing, but he played great last night. So um, if they're at all open to it, I would love to trade Hassan or Kent Bazemore for him, considering that they're expiring contracts. And And back to that. I'm really glad to see that most of Portland has embraced that you really need to trade at least one of them. Like Chad doing last night at the you know fifth quarter, he was talking about it would be a catastrophic loss to not trade Hassan Whiteside or Kent Bazemore. And he's crazy high on Hassan Whiteside. I'm really high on Hassan Whiteside. But it just doesn't make any sense to keep him. Um, like we've talked yeah. about, he's a starting center. He says he's the best rim protector in the league without a question this is kind of this is kind of the best case scenario though if, if yeah. we know if we know we're getting rid of him he is he is very he's definitely up to stock yeah and and he and it's a good point that the blazers should wait because a lot of the prices are going to come down on a lot of these teams they're like oh give us a first and a young player and an expiring contract and it's like yeah. no a, we'll give you we'll give you a first that that's that's it uh so yeah i mean the fact that he's playing so well just opens up the opportunity for a contender to want to grab him too. Um, so really to me that I think that only really opens up like the Mavericks and the Celtics, uh, maybe the Clippers. Uh, but most teams are established at center or it just doesn't make sense for and them. The Clippers the like Zubox. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, every, like everyone's got someone, I mean, the, the Mavericks have Dwight Powell, right? That's his name. Yeah. Dwight Powell. And he's been playing well. So, uh, you There's no like Eastern Conference team though that might want to do. The Celtics are about it, but they have Cantor. Um, and I don't want him back. I don't care anyone. Oh says. no, 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 no! I'm not saying trade for Cantor. Yeah, uh, Gordon Hayward is the guy you'd trade for potentially. Uh, and I don't know. And how he's, and he's yeah, the from what little bit I've watched him, he's definitely their two guys this season are Jalen Brown and, and Jason Tatum again. Um, but and and you know Hayward's decent, but I think we could probably escape with more with the way that Whiteside's playing right now. Yeah. Um, 
is there anybody else in the East? I'm thinking, not not the Sixers. They have enough big people. Yeah. Um, Raptors. There's there's no one. I yeah. Mean, I I mean, they, they like Marcus All. I think. Yeah. Still. And they got Serge Ibaka. I think uh, Serge Ibaka's got one more year on his deal. No, I think he's a free agent at the end of this year. Um, uh, yeah, Nets. I mean, there's no one that makes sense. Yeah, and they're not really going for it this year. Um, I, I saw yeah. Kevin Durant could potentially come back if the Nets are going to the playoffs. He could come back in March or April, potentially. Oh, man. If, if I'm the Nets, I'm just saying no. No. Probably. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> what happened with the Warriors when they brought oh, right. him back too early? Exactly. Exactly. So, um, yeah, I it'll probably be in the West just because of how the West is a bit more competitive at the top, and a lot of these top teams don't necessarily have a guy. I mean, it's not going to be the Nuggets. It's not going to be the Lake. I don't think it's going to be either LA team. I think the Mavs are, are fair. I think the Mavs are, are pretty likely, the way you yeah. phrased it. Honestly, Phoenix, a lot of people aren't very high on DeAndre Ayton right now. He didn't, yeah. he didn't, he's, he's got some questionable character concerns, and he's still developing, but Phoenix is kind of in a, in a win-now mode. Um, Certainly doesn't help that Don Sitch and Trey Young were drafted after him. They yeah. have some pretty high expectations. And I don't, and I'm not even that high on Trey Young either. I'm don't, not either. It's great, but like yeah. still, even even yet, and still, I would have said that, you know, I don't, I don't know how Trey Young and Devin Booker get along in the same backcourt. Um, but yeah, I think I think the Mavs are situationally. We know that we know that Olshay has relationships with a couple different front offices, right? So that's always going to influence it a little bit, but situationally yeah the Mavs but now that's from a Hassan standpoint that's from a Hassan standpoint so if the Blazers don't trade Hassan and they still adhere to Mr. Dueling's or Dueling's uh proposition of having to trade at least one of them Mm -hmm. you know it gets a lot more open-ended when you just reference Kent Bazemore a young a young guy and maybe a pick or just Kent Bazemore and one other guy because that's a lot more he has a lot more utility because if you look at the way Bazemore has played defensively and you are like a, a an L.A. team or another contender and you go to him and you say – you trade for him and you say, look, you're going to get – we're going to get you the same minutes, but we're going to need you to just – we're actually contending this year. We're going to yeah. – we're actually – so we're going to need you to really just focus on defense because he is that guy. He's that guy on defense. Yeah. yeah. He, he – how many chase down blocks have we seen from him this season? I'm still, I still want to find out. I know, right? So, I mean, really, it, it seems like still the most likely stuff with the Blazers is the Spurs, Cavs, or Pistons. Oh, yeah. And more likely Spurs or Cavs. Blazers yeah. are probably going LaMarcus Aldridge or Kevin Love. Oh, and... I'm excited. It's like Christmas. <laughs> Woo. Uh, Dude, I'd still be so stoked if Blazers got Aldridge and DeRozan. Yeah. DeRozan's got a player option, so uh, not a set in stone. I think but... I could see Demar and, and Dame getting along. Yeah. I could see that happening. I could see a whole lot of uh, no defense. So we'll it doesn't even matter when you got a team like that, though. Well, that's the thing is the the Blazers play uh, some 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 seven second or less offense quite a bit. It just doesn't seem like it's the best look sometimes. So. We'll see if if they can That's keep the pace time. up and get some some quick outlet passes or something to I don't know 
and that's more time for the other team to be on offense and our our crappy defense to be on the court. Yeah, it's kind of like it's kind of like the uh, what's that what's that key statistic in in NFL as we record on time Sunday. of possession. Right, it's like time Very of possession in the NFL. Yeah, the Blazers, the Blazers, but even getting still in a seven second offense, that's a lot more time of possession for another team like maybe Denver, who has just a really solid half court offense to just sit there and basically milk the clock and say your defense is cr- is trash anyways so we know we're going to end up with two and you're going to have even less time than you're giving yourself to begin with yeah and and maybe with a you know 7 second or less kind of offense uh it keeps everyone involved on offense unlike an iso where the guys are just kind of standing there so it'll be easier for them to transition and actually play defense cuz it makes sense that if you're standing around for 10, 15 seconds waiting for Dame, CJ, or Mello to do something that your intensity is just naturally going to come down a little bit. And then when you're on defense, you're a little stale or static, you know? So um, maybe having more pace will bring the other team to have more pace and you can just outpace them, have better athletes, hopefully. Or more pacing. Well, Christian, um, did you want to talk about anything else here before we uh, get back to our NFL Sundays? Uh... Not really. I mean, I don't want to talk NFL at all. I had the worst season ever from a wasted potential standpoint. If anyone wants to know, because you've somehow listened this far into the podcast, hit me up and I'll send you exactly why I have the greatest team ever assembled and somehow it didn't work. Oh my gosh. Kenyon Drake has a touchdown against the Seahawks right now. Dude, I'm... I'm as salty oh. as it gets. Last se- last week, I had 170-something oh. points. I lost by less than a point, and I had more. I had like 40 more than anyone else in the league. I just happened to be in the one matchup where I'd lose, and now I'm just absolutely wrecking. I have McCaffrey and Barkley combined for 76 points. I'm going to win no matter what this week, and I'm not in the championship, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lose my mind. So I'm not going to talk football. For the next eight months. I'm not going to talk football, but I'm going to talk football. Yeah, no. All right, team. Well, if you've made it, like Christian said, if you've managed to listen this far, go ahead and uh, find us on your uh, streaming platform of choice, whether that be Anchor FM, who we choose to uh, do our streaming services through, or Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, whatever gets you going. And, uh, you know, like, subscribe. Follow on uh, Instagram and Twitter. And uh, thank you to our artists for providing the tunes. And we'll see you all in the next week or so. Go Blazers. Oh, 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 oh,